Hi, Sweet Pea. Hi, Mummy Bear. We're Sweet Pea and Bear, mother and daughter, gardeners, well fanatics, and this is our Not Just a Garden podcast. Yes. Each week we're having a natter about the latest episode of Gardener's World with Sweet Pea finding out a bit more about the plants and I'm digging a bit deeper into the people and places mentioned in the visited gardens and your gardens. Exactly. So before we dive into the episode, what have you been up to this week, Sweet Pea? Well, this weekend has been full of gardening. I have done lots of seeds again because it's now, it's always kind of like January, February, March, April time that you're just like going crazy with seeds and you actually, it's March that I find I always fall behind because there are so many seeds that can be done in March. It's crazy. So you're just like going hell for leather, go, oh my God. But March is generally the the more optimum month, isn't it? And I think we just all get a bit bit overzealous and yeah oh it's just loads of seeds it's so much fun anyway so i've done some more aubergines because in Recca's kitchen garden book she says specifically about aubergines need a long period of growing time so that book is absolutely amazing and i've been using that to be to also sow my onions so i've got my white ones and i got my red ones and i've done exactly how she says and I've got her top tip, which is the crucial tip, which is as soon as they the onion seedlings sprout, you have to take them to the greenhouse because there are cool nights and warm days. And that's what they need to kind of almost harden off, I'm going to say, in a way. This reminds me of one of the Gardener's World's episodes from 2023 where she uh, was planting in her onions into the ground. And do you remember she did yeah. a little tug test? Oh, yes. I'm sure she mentions tug. it yes. in her book. Yeah, but she so she's quite. It seems to be yeah, sort of treat them mean, keep them keen, attitude Almost. towards onions. <laughs> but then the way she strings them up in her wooden shed is absolutely it's beautiful. It's a work of art. It's a, isn't I need to learn. I need to watch a video of her doing it and just like try to understand it. It's amazing. We're a long way off from that though. Yeah. Anyways, what were you up to this weekend? Uh, Well, this weekend we did have some nice weather and I pruned the roses. This was actually uh, inspired by watching Monty talk about the different types of roses in this episode that we're going to chit-chat about. Chit-chat about. And I'm still trying to identify whether we've got rambling roses or climbing roses. Uh, I know what the shrub roses are. Yeah, that one's easy. Those are the easy ones. I have to choose between rambling and climbing for the other two. I'm pretty sure the one that we have with the bright pink clusters of roses is a rambling rose. In which case, this was the wrong time to be pruning because... um, It's on last year's growth, isn't it? Yeah, so we're going to lose a lot of roses. But they all needed pruning. Yeah, they did. And we haven't got uh, frosts forecast for a while. Oh, good. And there are lots of little shoots coming off already so it just seemed a good time to tidy them up nice. I probably should have done it at the end of last year properly but anyway done now I love clipping them and snipping them and doing all that bit I hate the tidying up oh um, it's awful I was watching you do it I was going gosh I'm happy I'm not doing that there might have been quite a bit of swearing when I was trying to bundle up all the <laughs> the thorny shoots and stick them on the compost heap I think the moral of that story is I need a better pair of gauntlet gardening gloves because the thorns were just going right through. These but even ones. a pair of welly boots. The other time, um, oh, yeah. the other time you stepped on, it stepped wasn't even a thorn. a thorn. It was just a slightly pointed twig. It shot it up straight through your heel and into your foot. Yeah, that wasn't good, was it? It could say more about the the, the welly, uh, the welly <laughs> than anything else. Yeah. 
Maybe. Um, I also just wanted to touch on a bit of housekeeping uh, before we go into this episode because there were a few things that we talked about last time. Oh, yes. That probably important. need to be touched on this time. Yeah. So one thing we talked about from episode one of the compilations was I kept on saying ansothionin. Oh, this <laughs> is so funny because we listened to it afterwards and going, what? Did you say what? anthocyanin? Did you, what, what are you saying? <laughs> I meant anthocyanin. Anthos- an- so what is it Antho- it's anthocyanin, anthocyanin. Not, not anthocyanin so anthocyanin <laughs> also just to mention um i spelt wild goose wrong um i think i mentioned it briefly but you did on just the Instagram. to reiterate it should be wild goose with an e yeah um then the name of wrecker's book which you've touched on already yeah so it's wrecker's kitchen garden yeah wrecker's kitchen garden it's beautiful. It's a gorgeous book as well. It's perfect size, nice you A5 love that size. Book, don't you? It is the best thing. It can it goes pretty much everywhere with me. <laughs> it does. On a sun- Saturday and Sunday morning, I go down, have my cereal with my nice cup of breakfast tea and some oat milk in it, and I read my Wrecker book. It's the best thing ever. It's what I look forward to for the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very good book. I'm I'm glad that went down well. Then just to let you know, I looked up your ice cream tulips. Oh, aren't they're they extraordinary! I cannot believe. I was I was slightly skeptical when you were talking about them, and yeah. then I saw pictures of them on Google. I even had to check that they weren't AI images. They look exactly like a little red bowl of a big ball of creamy ice cream in the top. Vanilla ice cream. It really looked edible. It I, and is amazing. I can't believe they're tulips. So I want to get them. Yeah, they would be a bit of fun, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would. And the final bit of housekeeping from me, um, we talked about December flowering daffodils. I said it would be nice to get some. I couldn't think of any or the names of any. One of them is a Narcissus Ringevelds. I'm saying it like that. You sure you said that? <laughs> R-I-J-N-V-E-L-D. Ringevelds. Sounds Northern European. Early sensation. Right, so that's enough jibber-jabber. Um, let's get into this episode. So this was Gardeners World 2024 Compilations, Episode 2. Do! So we started with Monty, as always, and he did a brief introduction, talked about his tulips. Beautiful fiery purples and oranges. Oh, and he has stunning tulips, doesn't he? And yep. then he rapidly sent us over with Rachel to tame to Carol Bruce's garden. And Carol Bruce's garden is in uh, it's in a hamlet in the Kent Downs. It's called Old Bladbean Stud Gardens. And this place was absolutely extraordinarily beautiful. It was stunning. Made, and made even more extraordinary by the fact that the entire garden is managed by Carol. It's amazing that she does it all on her own. And also the fact that she used a lot of sense around it because she says how it was mainly her brain that... Um, she used her head more than her yeah, heart. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to find the phrase. She used she's an head econ- economist, isn't she? So she's yeah. very kind of pragmatic and practical very. about things. And she took that approach to the garden. Which she, I can get, actually, because... Yeah. Well, to have a garden like that, but we don't oh, do that in exactly. our garden whatsoever. We just, we just go, oh, I like that plant. Yeah, we'll <laughs> fling that in there. Let's shove that there. She used uniformity in her garden. There was that incredible grass lawn walkway where the she used long... a lot of symmetry, didn't she? Yeah, and she had planned planned that out perfectly because she had these little obelisks on each side and i i actually i'm not always so keen on palettes because i personally i just go for brash beautiful big blousy chuck all the colors in but i really liked the restraint on the color of the purple 
the whites, the creams, blues and the slightly and pinky blues. Yeah, it was amazing. She described that long walkway as a butterfly wing so that it was, yeah. you know, perfectly Perfect sy- symmetry. symmetrical. Yeah. So what plants did you pick up on in Carol's garden? Well, there are a lot of plants and I found we always seem to come back to these dark blue delphiniums, which I love and I'm absolutely in love with. And I've actually, talking about delphiniums, I've got one coming up in a terracotta pot in the greenhouse which i've been nurturing over the winter to keep it thriving so it's will be coming up and then i also realized you know how we've got in the garden and we've been calling them delphiniums but they're the annual ones which are called larkspurs oh so that is what we've got and that is what we've got um that we keep calling delphiniums yeah we keep on calling delphiniums because that's just the comp the name that we know it but the difference between larkspurs delphiniums one's perennial one's annual so, so the we've... perennial is the the delphinium yeah and that's the big flower the annual the is big, the larkspur chunky, beautiful spires and yeah. then the annual which is it's got more air in it very and it's got the these frothy okay. um cosmos leaves because we call touched them. on that last week i think didn't we so that that uh, explains that yeah exactly so I'm really and happy I found that out because I didn't That is really know. interesting. Thanks for that. She And she actually didn't even mention her delphiniums. And no. Yet, they were very prominent in the, they in were the film. So, yeah, they were so beautiful. So, and they kept on popping up. I loved it. So then she had her little ro- rose garden. She had her old roses. Mm. She trained over the metal domes. And um, I really liked that idea of training them over because the old roses, as she said, they they can get quite unruly. mm and having it like that, it just makes it Kept perfect. It very tidy. Yeah, I remember having a willow, which uh, my granddad trained to make a kind of dome, almost like that. That so, used to be like your little Wendy house when you were small, wasn't exactly. It? You except, could crawl inside. Except it was a, an actual tree in itself. Yeah. So that was lovely. But some of the plants that I picked up on were uh, Fuopsis. Yeah. Which is this pinky purple allium look to it. So it's really lovely. Theopsis stylosa Caucasian crosswort. Yes. And it's suitable cover for banks or in rocky or in rock gardens. So it means that it would be really good for here mm. because it, it will be happy with the, I'm going to say, very bad soil. I'm mm. going to say. Uh, then also she had the white geraniums. She didn't specify what type of geranium, no. white geranium it was. So then we also had an Allium Christophii. And this I've written down, I've explained, it looks like loads of little strimmer heads, metal strimmer <laughs> heads, because each little flower is like almost razor blade sharp pointed and I just thought it looked so like a little strimmer. It reminded head. you of my strimmer. Yeah, it reminds me of your strimmer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and these can get to 15 to 40 centimetres tall. So, wow. Nice, decent height. But also quite a range 15 centimetres to 40 centimetres. Yeah, nice range, I'd say. Nice range. Um, but they do like a sandy or gritty soil. So, okay. it, that could maybe the fact that you're having a poorer or richer soil might mean they have more growth or less growth. Do you think they'd be quite useful in a gravel garden? Yes. I so think they would. we need to think of that one. We might we want to think of that. Yes. And then she showed us the long lawn and uh, the perspective with the symmetry. And in here we had delphiniums, we had foxgloves, so they were the kind of pinky, creamy colours. Then we had purple salvias. And in the purple salvias was a salvia called salvia may night 
Yeah, well, she she called it Salvia May Night. May, as in the month. Night. night. Yeah. As in night. Yep. <laughs> but then the name came up on the screen and it was Salvia Maynacht. Yes, exactly. May spelled M-A-I as in the month of May in German and Nacht as in night in German. So just interesting that she used a very English term. Yeah. But they wrote a more German, European term. Yeah, the kind of, the original name. Yeah. Yeah, and this was the rich, rich dark purple. And we've actually got a salvia which looks quite like this, you know, in the one of the bottom beds. Yeah. It's a very nice because it's got kind of quite compact foliage so it's not like a normal salvia where the foliage almost kind of goes up the stems yeah. of the flower if you see what I mean it sort of stays around the bottom doesn't yeah it? exactly so when the flowers spires. are done you just go yeah and you can cut it all down to a nice little I call them little blobs little blobs and I love that I love that about spring is there are always loads of little domes around the garden of little um rosettes of uh, leaves and I really like that nice it's my favorite time domes. And then she would uh, uh, alternate that with Perovskia blue spire, wouldn't she? So to keep that colour in that mm. part of a symmetrical garden. And that's a Russian sage, which I didn't know at all. Mm. Uh, and so therefore is really good with heat and drought. So perfect, perfect for here. What's it like with and frost? Re- oh, I don't know about frost. That's a good one. But it's interesting, these plants, because Monty's always talking about how climate change, you mm. you can't be bringing in and out bananas that just won't survive the weather and so we're always trying to plant things that are going to survive on their own because i can't be watering in the summer well we you just can't be when we've got hosepipe bands and all of that it's just not responsible is it for us to do that exactly and then we had the campanula lactifolia which very much so in its name gives milky flowers Mm mm-hmm and then we had Aster Little Carlo. That was sweet. Which is a hybrid between Aster Cordifolius and Aster Nova Belgi. Lovely. And anything else on the plants front? On the plants front, I think that is all I've got. Okay, so I had a look uh, at the garden online to see if I could find any more information. Um, she does open through the National Garden Scheme. Um, so she has some open days, which I can tell you here. Uh, 26th of May, the 9th and 23rd of June, 7th and 21st of July. Um, but she's got, she set up her own website. Just one thing I was, I don't think it was mentioned at all how large this garden was. No, it wasn't. And you couldn't tell because obviously a camera view is quite tight. Well, so I can tell you there are three acres, three Whoa. acres of garden going on there that she does all herself. She Gosh. has been working on it for 18 years, um, but... God, what fun that's to be working on a garden for 18 <laughs> years. To be honest, that just sounds brilliant. It sounds like heaven, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but she, one of the things that she mentioned was about mulching. So when she... She doesn't water anything, does she? Doesn't no, she water doesn't. water anything. She doesn't add anything, doesn't take anything away, I think, with the words that she used. So when she deadheads and when she cuts back, she lays all that... Mm. on the beds as mulch and that's something we've been doing largely well firstly to mulch but largely also because the compost heap is just too far away to be taking so i thought that was a good good way of working yeah that is um so she on her website that she set up she's got her a little online shop where Ooh. you can buy seeds that she's collected from the garden but also there's some handmade jewelry which 
seems to be made by Carol. Wow. And this jewellery is stunning. It's very nature orientated. And what oh. she does is she'll get a cluster of tiny little beads, so say a load of little blacky red beads, cluster them together and then do some kind of green leafy beads to make a blackberry, for example. Oh, that is And she beautiful. makes blackberry uh, earrings, necklaces, bracelets. She does acorns using similar <gasps> similar techniques. Oh, yes, so like getting um, loads of little brown ones in different shades. It's really, really effective, and you would absolutely love them, sweet pea, oh. so I'll have to show you that website. You really need to show me that. <laughs> also, I had a look uh, to see if there were any people's photos from having visited the garden as yeah. part of the National Garden Scheme and someone had posted there are all sorts of photos but someone had posted a photo of her greenhouse and this is your dream greenhouse oh no don't it's, make me jealous yes, you would be very jealous it's it's white framed wooden framed um, glass quite, so, yeah glass glass greenhouse wow sort of a Victorian style I suppose but it's one of those that has the coal frames attached along one side Oh, you have got to be kidding me. Which is what I'd love. I really, really want a greenhouse like that. This is another garden to put on our list of gardens that we want to visit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We've got so many. We're going to have to do like a whole year tour of (laughs) all the gardens in England. All the gardens in the UK. Yeah, in the UK as well. (laughs) We then go back to Monty at Longmeadow. And he's talking about roses. So he first of all talks about a couple of shrub roses. He's he's trying to give us an idea of how to identify mm. the difference between three different types of roses. Yeah. Um, so he starts with two shrubs, the Darcy Bustle. Yeah, the Darcy Bustle. That was Gorgeous. a beautiful deep red shrub. Rose. Yeah, dark pink. It was lovely. Crimson. And, and then, did you get the name of the other one? Then I also got a Rosa Alba. That was a pale pink one, wasn't that it? Was a really, that was a soft pinker, almost a white then he moved on to Climbing Rose, which I noted down here was Caroline Testute. Yes, exactly. And that's a sugary pink. And then he showed us a Bobby James, which was the Rambler. And that's this right. was a white with a very yellow centre. The cl- there were clusters of roses, weren't they? Which is why I was thinking that ours is possibly a Rambler, because mm. it's those clusters. And also, the other thing he said about Ramblers is they generally only flower once. Yes, and ours, and as he said, June, July... Perfect timing for ours. And that's when ours flowers. I, yeah. I mistakenly thought that we got a second flowering, but I believe we have a rambler. I believe we have identified it. We have identified our rose. <laughs> <laughs> then he uh, sent us over to Johnny, a.k.a. the bearded plantaholic. This was hilarious. I so I couldn't have laughed more throughout one of the little your gardens such a character i don't think this is no this sorry this, this wasn't a your gardens. gardens this was a visited one uh so the he was talking about all his indoor plants which have just completely taken over the house the whole house is a greenhouse can you imagine how nice that the air will be in there yeah because of you already can feel it from like having a few plants in the house i imagine also pretty humid pretty humid yeah it was <laughs> it was an indoor jungle it was beautiful. He just really made me laugh. He was so funny. He talked about um, his day job where he'd have to dress up as a penguin to go into work. But otherwise, he like spent all his time with his plants. Um, he referred to his partner, Charlotte, as the partner. The partner? That was so funny. <laughs> he said it cheeses off the partner. Uh, but she seemed incredibly understanding. She was, she was so sweet. and she... Clearly has a sense of humour. When she was being interviewed, she was just like... <laughs> 
Yep, uh, they seem to have moved in and bit by bit, just more and more of them. And There was something that resonated for me was when he said he, you know, put things up and he'd do his thing. He said, but I, I always clear up after. And she said his version of cleaning up is different to mine. Which oh, I think big, big Households difference. across the country can relate to that <laughs> I little so. exchange between <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. I really, really understand what she meant by that. And then he said he put a greenhouse up in her office one night. Oh, while well, she was sleeping and I was just like that. Can you imagine waking up and finding your office is probably the one room in the house that no longer had that didn't have any plants and now. she thought it was her little space no free. and next thing there's a greenhouse it made me laugh though because he said how he put up this greenhouse in her office one night and then just put on the end obviously as if that was just obviously, obviously what one did it's just what we do <laughs> so did you get any of the plant names Okay, so he had a lot of different plants. Some interesting plant names. Really right? interesting plants. So the first one was Albo variegated cheese plant monstera. Don't think I said that in the right uh, very... order, but anyways. It works. It works. <laughs> anyways, this is a white to white green variegated cheese plant. It's really, really nice. And interestingly, so the white, the no, sorry, the green is the chlorophyll. Therefore, with it being white, it has less chlorophyll, therefore it does less uh, photosynthesis, and therefore grows slower. Oh, okay. So that's just an interesting little fact on that on that plant. And then we also he had philodendrons, which can come in all sorts of rainbow colours. I looked them up, I was like, okay, I need to get all of those different colours. They were beautiful. So your bedroom's going to be full of uh, philodendrons, because you could get them in every, almost every colour of the rainbow. Then he had Florida Ghost, and this was hilarious because he said if the house burns down, he will get this plant out of there, which is understandable because it is quite rare. And it's got the milky green leaves, but it likes a lot of light, just indirect. Turning the page. Turn your page notes. (laughs) There's a Thai constellation. Oh, yes. Did you have anything on that one? Uh, No, I didn't on that one, but I did have this one called a Syngoniums. Uh, which was a pinky colour to green leaves. That was beautiful. They can grow to they can grow to about ten to twenty meters tall. Oh, blind! If they're growing up a tree, right? So if they have like it's well, yeah, a tree that's a good ten to twenty meters tall, <laughs> yeah. um, they can grow up it and get that tall. So that's amazing. So that must be one that he's training around the house. Then I'm not sure what he was doing with it, but he had an Anthurium regal. And this had the most enormous velvet leaves, which he showed us. Oh, on. it was pretty. He was so proud of it. It didn't look them. real. It looked like an Ikea plastic plant. It did look like an Ikea plastic plant because it was so perfect. There wasn't a single blemish on it. And then this isn't super easy to grow, which he said he had to keep it in his greenhouse or he had to look after it properly. Um, because in the wild, it can get to like a two metre size. And then, and then a four meters tall. Can you imagine that in a jungle? Absolutely enormous. Under the cam- canopy, so it has yeah. that nice humidity. And yeah. this had the velvety touch, and then the whitey, creamy, yellowy veins, and then the green leaves. You mentioned the humidity, and that's just the one thing. You know, he's spraying these plants. He's got humidifiers going. Mm. Uh, one hopes that that doesn't leave a damp house. No, <laughs> which is always my worry. But I hopefully, the plants everything. are like <gasps> sucking it up. Almost. Sucking it all up. Yeah. Uh, so I had a little look online and um, he, he's he got, there's quite a lot about Johnny. Johnny Balkandani. 
I think is how you say his surname. Uh, his mother was a keen gardener and he started his collection around 12 years ago after moving back to the UK from Paris. Ooh. Um, and he used to just be doing this as his own thing. But then during it was during the COVID lockdown in 2020 that he decided to take his collection to Instagram. And that's when then he started to get a lot of interest and a lot of followers. So yeah. he started building it up and uh, and it just kind of took off from there. He then got approached by Channel 4, who did a short film on him about his plants. Uh, and then the press got involved. So, wow. Um, tabloids like The Sun, Daily Mirror, Metro, etc. They all, all um, wanted to interview him. And then the local BBC radio stations interviewed him. So it really took what off. What fun. Um, and he now does, he's got a big website set up. Very, very interesting. Very informative. He does a lot of talks um, and he has lots of blogs and he sells plants online as well. So this really seems to, is either... I don't know if this is his career now or if this is certainly his sort of side hustle. A big part of his life, definitely. Then we head back over to Monty briefly and he's showing us what to do with your indoor plants when they've got very dry. So he's watering his spider plants. And then he sends us over to the first of your gardens, which was Roman's Treehouse in Oxfordshire. And I coolest treehouse ever. Just the coolest treehouse ever that Roman built himself. He said, "Yep." And it, it just looked fantastic. And then he gave us a guided tour of this magnificent treehouse and showed us all the veggies that he was growing in there. I mean, what a cool treehouse to have veggies oh, growing in it! So much fun. So he had growing up. So this treehouse was on stilts. So growing up, one of the stilts he had a squash. Yep. I think he also had a runner bean going up the other one. Had a runner bean, that was it. Which is a really cool idea. Can you imagine having that nice bushy going up the... I just thought it was beautiful. Yeah. And then inside, he showed us the various veggies. Um, what veggies did you get inside? Inside, he had uh, microgreens. He also had lettuce and dwarf French beans. Then he had a massive tomato, yep. which he was very proud of. <laughs> and I would have been really proud of. <laughs> And then also he talked about having a wormery and that was really cool. And I, I liked how he showed it and he, he wasn't like going, <laughs> oh, because I remember like little kids and I remember, to be honest, kids still my age are going, like you see a worm and it's all like, oh, dirt, mud. And when it's so great, it's so much fun. When I was growing up, we would eat worms. <laughs> oh, God, yes, I remember. <laughs> you told me the stories. That was funny. So uh, we weren't... We were the opposite of yeah, and the, the caterpillars on the cabbage. It's just oh, it's Dad some extra protein. Dad used to grow broccoli in his little veggie patch, and <laughs> the broccoli were always covered in these little green caterpillars. And oh. then Mum would serve up the broccoli, and often there were still these caterpillars in the broccoli. Oh, no. And I, it just put me completely off broccoli. And then Dad said, "Well, you eat the caterpillars because all they eat is broccoli, so therefore they themselves are broccoli." <laughs> And plus what all their flesh and their uh... just with some added protein so i used to hate broccoli as a result of homegrown, <laughs> homegrown broccoli but i'm pleased to say when we grow broccoli or any of our vegetables we yeah. get rid of any of them we get rid of them and we're very happy with the broccoli especially the purple broccoli but especially the purple broccoli which you actually last time we went to uh garden center you went and got a second packet of purple broccoli because i feel one can't have enough purple broccoli <laughs> we've got a slight craze for purple broccoli at the moment <laughs> right enough about broccoli he also yeah so he had his wormery which was yep. just so awesome and i loved his little water collection system 
I, was so I, cool. I just think everything Roman did was brilliant. The only other veg that I picked up on was the Scotch bonnet chilies. Oh, that was a good one. Now, I would have loved to know so much more about Roman's Treehouse. I did have a look. There's, I couldn't find any information, which is understandable because yeah. he's a young lad. Um, and I also understand, you know, the privacy necessary around yeah. that. But goodness me, I would have loved to have known more. And, and also, I'd love to be able to give a, a kind of remote virtual pat on the back because I love what Roman's doing. I love that that's how he spends his time and with such infectious enthusiasm. Mm. It's just a joy to see young people getting involved and getting stuck in with interesting hobbies that don't evolve. I'm sounding like such an old woman now that don't evolve (laughs) sitting around on phones or screens. Oh, but it's so understandable. So thank you, Roman, for your short but sweet section. Thank you so much. absolutely loved every moment. Yep. So after Roman's lovely treehouse, we're back with Monty briefly, and he's talking about fastidiate trees. I'd never heard of the term fastidiate. Me neither. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> um, and fastidiate means that trees that grow up rather than out, so they're good for small gardens because you get more of a column shape rather than a big sort of flappy canopy type. That's oh, that's rather nice. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> kind yeah. of more breezy. Yeah, more breezy. <laughs> Uh, And then he sends us over to Nick. Nick's in Newby Hall, North Yorkshire. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's showing us specifically in Newby Hall the dogwoods. Yeah, and this was an interesting one because it was the tree dogwoods, which I didn't actually know about before. I didn't know there was anything other than just the red or yellow sticky things, I'm going to call them. (laughs) There are gorgeous sticky things that we've got specifically because they give some pretty sticky things in the winter months when there's very little colour. And they really are beautiful when you get a good cluster of red dogwoods and the yellow Mm. ones. Gorgeous, gorgeous autumnal colours. But I I had no idea there were trees I didn't know. I always try to get photos of the... Uh, I'm going to call them shrub dogwoods. I think sticky things work. Okay, sticky dogwoods. (laughs) But because they're so tiny, I just get a stick. That's literally all I get a photo of. But one day, sweet, we must dream big. One day they're going to be big, Oh, they're going to be like Monty's. And you'll be able to get lovely photos then. Exactly. So he's talking about these tree dogwoods. What names did you get? So he talked about the... the Cornices that he was talking about were Cornus Cusa because these were the Asian varieties and he said how they are less susceptible to the disease. That's it, yeah. Which the Florida rubra was getting and also um, Cornus uh, Nutalii, if I've said that correctly. Uh, And so this disease, he called it dogwood and thrask nose. This was Ed Round he was talking to, wasn't it? Yeah. The gardener there. Yeah. And it's this fungal pathogen called a discular destructiva. Oh, well done. I'm glad you said yeah. that, not me. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I it, think it na- its name says everything dis- destructive. Yeah, it just sounds destroys. pretty brutal, doesn't it? And Nick was explaining that it targets more the North American type of cornices mm. and less of the Asian ones. The Asian ones are pretty hardy, which pretty generally hard. seems to be yeah. the way. Whenever we get something that's a Japanese variety yeah. or a Chinese variety, mm. they seem a lot hardier. They're amazing. And yeah, yeah, they just take over really, don't they? And what did you get any other names? So um, he had Cornus Cusa Misotoni. Uh, he also had Cornus Norman Haddon, mm-hmm. which had its big white blooms, very pretty. 
Um, he then also had a Benny uh, Fuji. I'm not sure if I said that correctly. Benny Fuji? Uh, which was a smaller, more shrubby one, which mm. would have been nice for like a little garden, you can imagine. Mm. Or uh, I was almost like imagining it in a cottage garden. I thought it was quite uh, sweet yeah. and small. And yeah, it was a pastel pink as well, which for me just says cottage garden immediately. Yeah. Pastel pinks for me are cottage gardens. And then he had Cornus Madam Butterfly, oh, which was, was a lovely name because beautiful. also the the bracts, as he called them, mm. which also ringiums have bracts. Yeah. Um they were pointed just like a little butterfly wing. But the the beauty of these dogwoods is that they have what looks like just a covering of flowers. But mm. that's what he was explaining, wasn't it? That it was the coloured bra- bracts. Bracts. And then yeah. in the centre of the bracts are are the actual flowers. But it's amazing how much colour these trees have. Amazing. And also when those uh, little flowers, as he showed, become these raspberry-looking pinky-red things. They were beautiful. Um, I had a look online and found out a bit more about Ed Round. He's been working there for 17 years. Uh, There's a nice description on the website for Newbie Hall saying, Edward Round, senior gardener, an incredibly talented plantsman. Ed is responsible for Sylvia's Garden, the Cornice Collection and the Heritage Orchards. He's a man to go to if you want to know about plants. So he's he's wow. well-seasoned. I will be going Hall. to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Newby Hall itself is owned by the Compton family and there are 40 acres of gardens. They were wow, both... This... Yeah, I mean, can you imagine <laughs> an, another one for a very long day out? Oh. Um, they were mostly created in the 1920s. Um, and there is a double herbaceous border that's 172 metres in length. 170? Is that even possible? <laughs> yes. How many lengths of your 25 metre pool that is? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a the formal Sylvia's Garden, which was designed by Major Compton in 1930, and that was named after his wife, Sylvia Farquharson, and that's in palettes of whites, pinks, purples and blues. There's an autumn garden... Um, which is a compartmental, a walled garden, and that was on in on that is on the site of an old croquet lawn, and that wall there is quite new. It was built in the mid nineteen nineties, so oh, okay, really quite a recent wall. Um, they've got a rose garden, they've got a water garden. There's East Rock Garden, a white garden, Robin's Walk, which is named after the late Robin Compton. There's a woodland garden, a rock garden, a tropical garden, orchard garden, and beacon garden. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we've got to spend. I think we need to spend a whole day there, going through every single garden. Lots of little outdoor rooms, and that was that's just my idea of heaven. So then we're spending a bit more time with Monty, who's planting up some umbellifers in his writing garden. His writing garden is predominantly white, isn't it? Predominantly white, very fluffy. Or for me, it's a soap sud garden. A soap sud garden. So, what did you pick up on in the with the umbellifers? Well, he well he showed some cow parsley that he was planting in, and then he was predominantly doing herb lovage, Scottish lovage, and then. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to say this right. Mirhis odorata. Mirhis odorata. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think I even got that name. Which, to be honest, it's like a Scottish lovage. It's uh, a very pretty white. It's almost a wedding-looking uh, umbellifer. It's very pretty. Almost like an elder, I'm going to say. Oh, hold on. I did write this down. Mirhis 
Odorata Sweet Sicily. That's the one, exactly. Yeah. And then he had a Baltic parsley, um, which just looked like a load of white stars put together, yeah. a little cluster of white stars. And I thought that was really pretty for his writing garden. But the interesting thing was, even though this isn't like the same timing as, because it's a compilation episode, I actually had to dig up, had Coincidentally, to, you... I had to dig up <laughs> the parsley to. from the veggie gun because it was taking over one against of the Against your better beds. judgment. Yeah, exactly. Against <laughs> my better judgment, I had to dig these up. Mummy but... bear said, dig up the parsley that's taken over our four meter veggie bed. Yeah, and that's the parsley that actually came in the garden as well last year, which was called parsley plain leaf too, if I remember correctly. And you decided to plant just about the whole packet. I think so, yeah. Because <laughs> I never used to like parsley, so I was like, to be honest, I feel like I might just scatter these seeds, go, get rid of oh, them. what a shame, they all seem to have died. <laughs> Next thing, they all come up. Like, I don't think a single one didn't come up. I've never seen so much parsley. And then I had to pot them up, and they just seemed to live... I Sometimes I wouldn't even water them, and they just carried on living. Well, they... you put them straight in the ground didn't you or did you do them in the greenhouse first? i did them in the greenhouse i put them in little plugs i then put them into little pots and then you and then i put them, them outside and they were tiny and they have thrived they've thrived all year and they've become enormous the summer and they're huge and i said sweet pea we need that veggie bed we yeah. have big plans for other veggies yeah so can we please remove them i wanted some i think we talked about this last week i wanted some put in pots by the kitchen so that yeah. i could snip them off Exactly. And then we still have... Oh, you've put some up uh, in your bedroom. Yeah. And then we still have a whole load left. So I thought after seeing this programme with Monty and what he's doing with other types of, of parsley, yeah, uh, parsley and other embellifers. Other embellifers. I thought, let's put some little clusters of threes and fives in our flower beds. Yes. And see what they do. And, and let them flower. Yeah. They're biennials, aren't they? Yeah, they, um, they are. Yeah, because they flower the second year. And, and then that's it. They're done after that. Exactly. And we have the, uh, I think it's the wild parsnip that sometimes sells seeds, oh, yeah. which I must say is quite difficult. And when you're trying to pull it up, it's just the, got the most enormous root. And it's just like, it's, oh my gosh, get out of the way. It's <laughs> got an enormous root, which is the parsnip. Which but, is, yeah, it's But it's parsnip. a wild parsnip and apparently they, you have to be careful that you don't crush the... Um, stem or the leaves yeah. too much when you're putting up because it can release nasty stuff into your hands mm. and give you nasty itchy you've hives give, and things you've had a few blisters in the past from the wild parsley yeah i've had from all sorts because uh we have a lot on sort of a fairly wild area and when i'm strimming a lot of stuff comes up and hits mm. my hands it used to hit my face but i've now got a shield for my face when i'm strimming <laughs> you've got your little oh, shield. i'm a thing of beauty when i'm out with my strimmer <laughs> <laughs> lots of fun but the talking about the wild parsnip that's rather pretty it's got a rather nice flower it's the flower's pretty snumbellifer it's it's lovely it's slightly frothy but the parsley will look like a proper flower and will look actually meant to be there instead of just randomly well also yeah it'll feel better because it'll look like it's meant to be there because it will have been there have been meant to be there is that good English? <laughs> it would have been meant to be, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Put, it would have been put been there. there. It would have been put there. Exactly. Anything else on the embellifers? I think that's it. Otherwise, I'm going to I'm going to try with the rest of the embe- with the rest of the parsley because, oh my gosh, got so much of it. 
And I've also got some white irises in terracotta pots, so I'm going to try and make a miniature writing garden. Oh, that'll be lovely. I thought that would be, be quite so nice. That'd be so pretty. Yeah. So then Monty sends us over to Melanie Lewis in Clun in Shropshire. Yep. Which is on the Welsh border. And this... Turning a page, are you speaking? Sorry, yes. This <laughs> is another joyful segment. I think that's why we like to focus so much on the visited gardens and the your gardens because they are just joyful. They're joyful and they're such lovely people that always come on. Just lovely. And Melanie was no exception. She was just wonderful. From Right from pretty much the first word that came out of her mouth, I was ready for the ride. Dinosaurus Plodocus, <laughs> if I, I remember I correctly. I be laughing <laughs> from beginning to end of Melanie's section, and she didn't disappoint. She was hilarious. She was talking about Aeonians, which she named like some kind of amazing knowledge. She was like or... something of um, yeah. mastermind. Exa- exactly. She could name That's all the... these things. Did you pick up any of the names? So there were actually quite a few that she rattled off, rattled she off did. because she had the, we had the cameraman coming in and you just saw his hands coming in one by one with the pod. I just quickly need to explain, if anyone heard that grumble, it wasn't Mummy Bear. That was Hobbs, our dog, who joined us for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She often has something to say. She she has a lot to say, especially on the aeroniums. So she picked, she mentioned so many plant names. She had what uh, did you get? Aeonium blood, which was very much so what it says on the packet. Dark, dark blood red. Beautiful. Then she had black magic, which was a more kind of dark purple colour, just like black magic. Uh, she also talked about um, velour, uh, velour, yeah, which is an arboreum one. So it, it's it's a almost got a trunk and then it's got its kind of tree, yeah. but all of these aeoniums and it's really cool. Quite tree, I didn't know you could get um, arboreum ones, and uh, she, so she said that was an easy one to start off with. So that was a oh, ready, yeah. uh, greeny one, and so that's for anyone who hasn't kind of had aeoniums before. Uh, then she also had Gordonii. Did you get that Gordonii? Oh no, I didn't get that one. I got Gordonii. I got Loei. Loei. I'm sure um, I'm pronouncing that wrong. I I got uh, Aeonium Sweet Treat Cornetto. Now I'm not sure why I got that one. <laughs> Is that uh, because it was to do with ice cream again? It just stuck in my head for some <laughs> reason. Um, which was from California and. She showed us this one at the end because it seemed to be her like prize aeonium. And for me, I was just like, okay, yeah, got to get that Cornetto. one. Cornetto. Absolutely. <laughs> but it was beautiful. Do you remember like the beautiful yeah. stripes? It it looked like um, I've got a Coreopsis called Coreopsis uh, Roulette Wheel Tinkatoria. And it's got these kind of bands on the flower between red and yellow. And it reminded me of this, but white and green. Yeah. Because that's it, it, it had that same formation. I mean, Melanie's not going to be very pleased with me, but I'm less into succulents than you, aren't I? You really love your succulents. I like, I like every plant, I think. Um, but I did get some more names. I got Scarlet, Merry Maiden. Did you hear those ones? Oh, yes. Those were some. Then the one that she got wrong she called oh. cross mary dunelm and then she got corrected on that and she said man manricorium i think that's how you pronounce it yeah manricorium 
It was so funny when she got it wrong. But then also there were the ones she, where so cool, um, the cameraman couldn't, didn't even have enough time to put it on the table. Yeah, I think he said at one point, yeah, you let heard me a voice off camera say, let me just put it on the table first. Let me at least put it on the table. <laughs> she was so quick. It was amazing. <laughs> it was just hilarious. It's like my physics teacher who knows pretty much every capital city in the world. He just rattles them off. Yep. Cornish tribute. Did you hear that one? Oh, no, I didn't get that one. Appendiculatum. And then she also showed the flower that you can get from some of the aliens. Did yeah, you, did, they they looked quite alien, didn't they? That looked that also looked very Jurassic. Yeah, very um, something you'd see in a film. Did you hear the name pseudotabuliform? Pseudotabuliform. Pseudotabuliform. Oh my, how did you do that? Well, just from the three times that you the, took to repeat it. From the 800 times I said it. I just figured out how you needed to say it. I'll have to listen back to hear how Melanie said it. The pro. Hierens? Did you get that one? Nope. <laughs> you got nose more than I did. I was just trying to keep up. I was, I was, I was, well, I had my pen and paper. I was just going, oh my God, she's rattling them off. You were writing like nobody's business all through Melanie's section. It was the crazy. final one I got was an Aeonium Arboretum called Al- Albo Variegatum. Albo Variegatum. That one I did get. You got that one. You Thank would have said Lord. that better than me. Yeah. No, maybe not. Um, so the notes that I found, uh, she holds the National Collection, but it sounds like in 2022, uh, she had a bit of a trouble with the greenhouse setup. So there was a very cold winter. Oh, no. And they, she, you know how she was saying she moves them all out of the conservatory in the greenhouse mm. and the windowsills when the, the frosts have gone and then she ceremoniously moves them all back in. Anyway, she had them out in the greenhouse, a whole load of them, and there was a power outage. And the heaters didn't go back on after the power outage. Oh no, that's so she really lost sad. over a thousand pounds worth of plants. Uh, the reason I know this is because a friend of hers set up a GoFundMe page and gave this little bit of history. Um, and that's I thought so sad. I would read just a little bit of what her friend wrote. She said, Melly is an amazingly generous lady, always happy to advise and chat about plants and has raised the profile of Aeoniums massively in recent years. National collection holders do an important job of conserving rare or threatened species for future generations. And Melly has won awards and exhibited at the big shows raising awareness of these lovely plants. I'd love to be able to raise enough to really make a dent in the replacement costs and we'll be donating spares of Aeoniums that I grow to her as well to help out. So on the back of her lovely friend putting this GoFundMe page Aww. together, um, people started sending stuff, uh, sending money, but also sending cuttings in the post. Oh my God, um, that's so sweet. And this, a lot of it was through social media. So this is where social media can be just a wonderful thing. Oh, that's lovely. Um, and... You know, the more people heard about it, the more were sending cuttings and plants. Um, and her husband was able to, with the money that was sent, source some greenhouse gas heaters. Oh, and, brilliant. There um, we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, don't worry about electricity. We have got the gas heaters. <laughs> they got the gas heaters. And she was also able to send away for Aeonium seeds with the fun money that they received. So she's been growing seedlings since. So that was a very sort of positive use of social media and things like GoFundMe, where people really took an interest in what Melanie's doing and and sort of grouped together to help her out. So a relief all round, I'd say. It really also shows how much 
gardeners and gardening kind of brings people together it's this kind of same absolutely same i'm going to say level where we're all at and we're all loving gardening appreciating the same thing and therefore understanding the sadness i mean can you imagine the uh, loss just desperately upsetting i i, I can't imagine mm-hmm. when this is you know she's such a, a fanatic um that's just terrifying to walk out in the morning and find so oh, love no and her dead. passion um but you're right i think the gardening world is a really lovely world generally mm. everyone that i've come across just seems so lovely and friendly and caring and wanting to share and help and yeah you don't get any it's not a meanness. competitive mean world is it exactly i i and that's what I really like about gardening. That's what I really like about it as well. Brings people together. Brings people together. So then we headed back to Monty and he was in his greenhouse and he was potting up his succulents. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting because he talked about the aeoniums coming from, as Melanie had said, from the Canary Islands, North Africa, Madeira. And he was potting up his echeveras which are very similar. They look to me, to the untrained eye, they looked exactly the same sort of thing. Uh, I don't want to (laughs) insult anybody. Ouch. (laughs) But uh, from a layperson's view. Yeah. Uh, But the echeveras that he was putting up, they're from Central America, Mexico, and Northwestern South America. So from very different parts of the world. Mm, Very much so. um, But very similar plants. Finally, we joined Advalese, who visited Spetchley Park in Worcestershire. Yep, the home of... No, not actually, sorry, not the home of Miss Ellen Wilmot, but somewhere that she had a big influence in gardening. That's right. So, shall we start with the plants first? I think we should. There were quite a few rattled off by Advalese. She's so interesting when she does her sections, isn't she? They're very interesting because it's giving a different element because usually gardening is just like about the plants. But then she there's does also the full history. She does the history of the gardens, which is really interesting. And I do like history. Yeah, it's a little history lesson. So, which plants did you get? So, we, I saw personally just some purple asters in the background. But then we saw the giant thistle, uh, Euryngium giganteum. This is the booby trap. This is the booby trap one, exactly. Miss Wilmot's ghost. Miss Wilmot's ghost. Yeah. And Lovely when you name. look at the Euryngium, it actually looks like a. it's a ghostly... It's a ghostly um, purple and green slash green. Yeah, uh, very silvery, tall, quite silvery at times. Yeah, very well. silvery with a big kind of tall spiky head. Yeah, very pretty. To be honest, come booby trap my place. <laughs> yeah, like, I not, want too if, not, not too not much. Not not too much, Miss Wilmot. But, but just a little here and there. But do come booby trap it and a bit. also manage it for us. Oh, and actually, whilst you you're coming here, just manage the rest of the garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because her garden was amazing so what else did you get she we then also talked about how she has lots of awards for her chrysanthemums uh tulips and daffodils then there were one or two plants well one plant that i picked up on which was written down which was the letheris odoratus miss wilmot which was the pretty that was a gorgeous sweet pea pea, i really really like i actually I think it's my favourite sweet pea because it's an orangey pink and it's my t- mm. two of my favourite colours put together in a sweet pea. Oh, sweet peas are so lovely, aren't they? They're really lovely. There were a few other plants named after her. Yeah, and one that they said was a Patentilla napalensis, Miss oh, Wilmot, yeah. uh, which is from the Rosaceae... Wait, Rosaceae family wow so the rose family mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Sounds less impressive. <laughs> the Rose family. I take my wow back. Uh, which was once again an orangey pink. I wonder if that was her favourite colour because I like it. <laughs> it's your favourite colour. Uh, and then I looked up some other plants that were named after Miss Ellen Wilmot. Uh, that weren't actually on the programme. So we had a scabiosa, Miss Wilmot, and also zinnia, Miss Wilmot. And scabiosa was interestingly a creamy white. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big one. <laughs> it's a big one. It's not one of those little, little small ones. It's a big, yeah. it's a big scabious. Oh, um, and actually, I wrote down that it went down to like minus 20, minus 25 degrees Celsius. Crikey. So... Don't know that what weather going... conditions it's expecting. No, I'm not sh- quite sure. It's like <laughs> I am going to the North Pole. Um, and, and what did you say the other one was that wasn't mentioned on the program? Uh, Miss Wilmot Pink Zinnia. Oh, Pink Zinnia. It's called Zinnia Miss Wilmot, sure. uh, but it's a pink one and it's a proper pom pom one. You know how it's oh, like lovely, yeah. Got uh, I don't know how you're going to say it, but so many layers of petals. Yeah, it pom poms. It kind of yeah. poofs. Yeah, exactly. And that was a proper pink, like a proper Barbie pink. That's interesting about the other Miss Wilmot yeah. plants that weren't mentioned in the programme. The other ones that Adverley did mention were the Ceratostigma Wilmo- Wilmotianum. Yep, quite a One mouthful. day I'm going to be able to say these names first time oh. without stumbling through the, the letters. That might be our 100th podcast. <laughs> then you mentioned the Letherius odoratus. Yep. Sweet pea. There was a Corylopsis wilmotii, Chinese winter hazel. Oh, that's pretty. And then the other one I got... Oh, actually, you mentioned that, the Ponte... Pontilla nepalensis. Potentilla nepalensis. Uh, then I also spotted, which weren't named after Miss Wilmot, the, there was a brief shot of a beautiful water lily. I think this is a nymphaei yellow sensation water lily. Really sort of creamy yellow. Oh, pretty. Stunning. Didn't look real, actually. I'd like that for our pond. Yeah, when we finally dig our pond, we've still got a lot of earth to dig out. I'm going to dig it out and put it in the veggie beds. <laughs> put those into the raised veggie beds. Yep. Uh, there was a verbena. Bonariensis? Yep. Nice. Uh, a solidago goldenrods. Ooh. I saw briefly. What's that? That's the they sh- she well she didn't show it but the footage at the end showed various plants and this had kind of yellow I don't know how to describe it but um the sort of the stem coming out sideways more horizontally covered with lots of little yellow flowers. Oh pretty. And then there was the Caliandra parviflora. Um but I had a look online just to see what else I could find out about especially park. Um, it's a family home of Henry Barclay and the gardens ha- have 30, they're described as 30 acres of Victorian paradise. What a home to have. Can you imagine? I just can't imagine. It would be incredible. And it has one of the finest and biggest private collections of peonies. Oh, going there. I love um, peonies. Normally I write my own notes, but this was written on the website for Spetchley Park, it was written so poetically I thought if I could just read it to you, sweet pea, because it, it love really to hear it. conjures up. So you sit back, close your eyes and picture what I'm about to say. And I'll yep. try not to stumble over the words. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I've about, shut my eyes. Shut your eyes. Go to your garden place. Yeah. 
Clumps of wild primrose push up randomly through sapphire carpets of crocus and swathes of sunny daffodils in spring, with billowing borders of blousy perennials and tender exotics in summer, and a palette of burnt orange, okra and fiery red in autumn. From the first tantalising glimpse of the garden through the tall Corsican pines that so inspired Edward Elgar, to the magnificent borders that surround the wall garden and the magnolia-fringed horse pool, through the melon yard and its olives, and delicious pineapple-scented flowers, Spetchley is full of surprises. It's a garden of contrasts where formal clipped hedges, rose beds and sweeping lawns meet tumbling herbaceous borders and walls festooned with rampant climbers, and where winding paths lead you from the quintessentially English to the unmistakably Mediterranean. Oh, I just dozed off right then. And back in the room. And back in the room. <laughs> I think that's where the listener's going to use this podcast to fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, what are you saying? <laughs> that was so beautiful. I was just like... Isn't that so poetically written? That, that could have been written by Toby. Oh, by Toby. Oh, that's right up his That street, is Toby's style. So that was Gardener's World 2024 compilations. Episode two. Episode two. Uh, another fantastic episode. Very um, nice. As we always do, we talk about our favourite plant and our top takeaway. Yeah. So what was your top takeaway? Well, so my top takeaway was Carol not watering or mulching Yeah. Her, in her incredible gardens at Old Blood Bean Stud Gardens. Mm. Um, I really like that method of yeah. gardening. Largely because it's, it's lower maintenance. Very easy. Yeah, <laughs> I completely get lower it. Maintenance. I completely get um, it. But I also like the idea of using what you've already got to, to mulch the beds. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that was my top takeaway, although I was torn because I loved Roman's Treehouse. Oh. And I would love to give more to Roman's Treehouse and, for example, his watering system. Well, that was my top takeaway, was oh. his watering system. Oh, and... sorry, I took that from you. No, but I, it's so interesting that we both really liked that. Yeah. Because for me, even though it was such a short clip and it's such a shame there's such short clips, um, I just, the moment I saw it, I was just like, awesome so yeah. cool brilliant really really cool and i could so imagine having runner beans going up the posts of the treehouse yeah. it, it's and so... that being your little hideaway somewhere yeah. you can just get away from the world and hide away tend to your plants yeah and the watering system i mean who would have thought of doing that no. bringing it inside i i always think of okay got to keep the water on the outside but you never think of no exactly just guttering, guttering inside because <laughs> it's still kind of keeping it contained yeah so yeah, I loved Rowan's treehouse. And then favourite plants? My favourite plant, or favourite plants, if you want to call it, were the philodendrons because of the rainbow colour. And not, well, not the rainbow colour, but the different colours you, you can get. The range of colours you can get. Exactly, the range of colours you can get them in. So I saw pinks, reds, uh, yellowy oranges, and then greens. And, and this I... was in Johnny's Place, who's yeah. also known as the bearded plantaholic. Exactly. <laughs> So my favourite plant also comes from Old Blood Bean Stud Gardens um, because the delphiniums didn't get a mention at all. We saw them a lot mm. and they looked like such healthy spires. I would love to know from Carol, what staking does she do? Yeah, that would be interesting. All of them were perfectly vertical. Not one was leaning any way from the absolute 
There were no floppers, were there? I mean, she's so precise with her gardening, I don't know how she does it. (laughs) It's beautiful. uh, Maybe we could get in contact with Carol and find out how she keeps those delphiniums upright. Yep, please. Right, well, although we have had our soup through this podcast... Nice bean and chickpea soup. Warming bean soup. um, It's now about time for bed. Yep, bedly ways. <laughs> and certainly Hobsey's ready for her bed. So Yeah, she just walked off in the middle of the podcast going, <laughs> yeah. I am so tired, people. <laughs> I am done here. Yep. Um, so until next week, I think, when yep. we will be coming back with episode three of the compilations of 2024. Hope everyone has a lovely week. Hope you all have a lovely week. And you too, sweet pea. Bye-bye, sweet pea. Bye-bye, mummy bear. Bye.